This podcast is the design of City Sites Urban Media, and our goal is to bring into focus the difference between culture and God's ideas found in His Word. To learn more, go to citysitesurbanmedia.com. And so during this time, I spent a lot of time by myself, and I just started thinking about why the church needs youth ministry. I mean, several thousand years ago, Jesus called a group of teenagers together, and literally, he used them to help spread his message and literally change culture, change the world, change life as we know it to this very day. Even people that that aren't following Jesus are benefiting from the work of the gospel set loose on this earth and he started with a group of teenagers and and it's pretty remarkable when you think about it and and ever since then i believe that it's been the youth in our churches that help us to continue to push that envelope to keep us from becoming stagnant and stale in what it is that we're doing and what it is that we're about and right now in our culture we are experiencing change on levels we have not seen in a very long time Not just changes about color or shape or music, uh, but deep structural change about the way we even see and think about who we are as people and and what truth is. And, And more than ever, I think that the church needs youth ministry. This is the City Sites Podcast with Larry Kutzler. The next generation of preachers, what will they be like? What kind of visions do they have or see for the church? Will they stay firmly planted in the scriptures, or will the culture influence them to compromise the foundations of earlier generations? Well, that's a good question. So I decided I would talk with somebody who will be the next generation of Christian leaders, someone who will be working in that field, And he had a sermon this past Sunday that I was very impressed with. I'm hoping we can get a glimpse of what we can expect in our pulpits in years to come. Kenneth Granados is a young man just finishing up his education and beginning his ministry as a 21-year-old. Kenneth, tell us your story. Tell us about your family and why a Christian college. Yeah, so I'm happy to be here, Larry. My family, they came from Costa Rica in the 90s to the U.S. And I was born here, raised in the church my whole life. I came to the knowledge of God when I was eight years old, but I would say that I seriously became a Christian when I was 19, which was just a couple years ago. And... I would say a Christian college simply because I wanted to grow in a place with a strong understanding of the Bible. When I went into college, I didn't really know exactly what I wanted to do, but I knew I wanted to do something in regards to ministry. I just didn't know what exactly. And I wanted to learn under those people that had a good understanding of the Bible or at least give me a good direction in where I should go in my own personal study. And so that's why now I'm at a Christian college and it's been great. So a lot of young people, they make commitments to Christ and they attribute it to sometimes parents or a preacher or a friend. What made you desire to go into the ministry? Well, I think it's a mixture of all those things, actually. Like I said, I was born and raised in the church and both my parents were leaders in the church, children's leaders when I was there. And they really influenced me with just teaching me about the word at a very young age and having that desire to learn more about God and the different stories that are found in the Bible. I mean, another big influence in my life, Walt McFadden, senior pastor here at City View. Yeah, he began mentoring me when I was in eighth grade and multiple missions trips to New Orleans just kind of led him to see that sort of that gifting or that sort of just desire for ministry in me. And so he kept just 
pressing me about it and talking to me about it. And I came to a point where, you know, I had water around me that was telling me I was fit for ministry, other friends around me that told me that, you know, I was going to go into the ministry whether I liked it or not. And so that's kind of how it happened, where I just felt this huge weight on my heart that I could not shake off. And the Lord was just making it so very clear that pastoral ministry was what he wanted for me. I mean, it's been a journey. It hasn't been super easy. There have been times where like, oh man, like I I want to do something else or this is very hard. But now I know that this is what the Lord has in store for me. Well, you had good mentors, both from your parents and of course your pastor, Walt McFadden. That's a great testimony. It really is. It's important that young people have these kind of mentors. So you began to preach a sermon last Sunday based on John 15 verses 12 through 15. You kept mentioning the ideas, do we really love one another? It was a great question, and then you would go on with the sermon beyond that. But you ended the sermon with three observations, which really caught my attention. They were not only fascinating, they were insightful. And the very first observation you said, the reason we don't love each other is because we oftentimes are too easily offended with each other. So why was that observation important to you and where did that come from? I think especially within the last year, just seeing our political world and just seeing the way that society has handled COVID-19, George Floyd, vaccines, all these different things. I think it's natural to see the world react in the way that it has, right? And so seeing people getting angry with one another, disagreements, all those kinds of things. I mean, it's saddening. It's it's not what I want to see, but it's what it is, right? But what I've noticed is that a lot of people that call themselves Christians are following that sort of line of thinking or falling within those same kind of brackets where you see, at least on social media and even talking to some friends, you see people ready to die on hills that they shouldn't die on. Die on whether you should wear a mask all the time. Die on whether or not you should support this person or that person. And it's on both sides. I look at that and I try to bring up some sort of opposing view, whether I disagree or agree with that view, but just any sort of opposing view. It seems like people just get angry so easily. People want things to go their way. Kenneth, your generation has been accused of wearing their feelings on their sleeve. In other words, very super sensitive. They're all about emotion. Yeah. So you're of that generation. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. I think I'm very critical about my generation. We're just so easily offended. It's so easy for us to get angry. I think my generation is very stubborn and we're very set in our ways. And once we believe something, we don't want anybody to oppose those views. And so we have generations of Christians that are say, oh, well, you're not a Christian if you don't follow this sort of political party. You're not a Christian if you don't agree with me on these sorts of views. When I don't think it's, it has to be that way every time. I mean, the church and just the kingdom of God is very diverse, not just in color of skin, but also in thought and in ideas and in the ways we perceive the world. Obviously holding firm onto the essentials of the faith, but when it comes to different things like politics and I don't know, all these disagreements that come in just society, I don't know if it's necessarily like set in stone. Do you think then are relationships harder to maintain in your generation because of this for people to just be offended so easily? Is it hard to make relationships work? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think the hardest thing is having friends that you've had for a very long time, like childhood friends, and then something happens on the news and you're divided. 
And then from that point on, oh, you don't want to be my friend anymore because you don't agree with this. And I feel like that's happened to me a lot. I try to view everything from the point of view of the Bible. Like, does this glorify God? Does this point of view give glory to God? Not to man, but to God first. Honestly, I've seen a lot of my friends, people that I've grown up with, people that I've met along the way, that they don't necessarily think with that point of view. And that's not to say that I'm better than them at all, but that's just kind of how things that I've noticed and observed happening throughout our culture. And now what it's created is friendships where you have to avoid certain topics, where you can't be honest, you can't be real with one another because you have to just kind of like beat around the bush or just tiptoe around certain things and just I don't want to hurt this person I don't want to anger them I don't want them to say all these things about me on social media so what am I going to do I'm going to stick to these topics that we both agree on that both make us happy but I'm not going to get into anything controversial well it doesn't drive relationships very deep that's for sure but I've lost friends on Facebook I've lost friends you know because of our differences and you know, in the old days when I was coming up, I mean, we would disagree all the time, but we wouldn't say, well, you don't agree with me, so you're no longer my friend. Yeah. That's the tenure of what we see today, for sure. Well, your second observation also was fascinating to me because you said we struggle to consider others more important than ourselves. And that was based on your scripture verse of Philippians 2, verses 2 through 4. This is why I think you said loving others is extremely hard. So my question to you is, what makes it so hard? Well, I mean, I think what makes it so hard is ultimately it is sin, right? It's what makes it extremely hard to to think in that way, to think outside of yourself. But I think because we live in such a selfish, self-centered culture, we live in a culture that is just incredibly individualistic. We're just kind of told to live a certain way and grow up a certain way, thinking about ourselves, looking out for ourselves, looking out for what our careers are going to be, me, 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 that kind of mindset. And I see in a lot of different cultures, other cultures outside of American culture that teach more communal ways of thinking. What can I do to help the family or what can I do to help us succeed and move forward? And that was the kind of community, the kind of way that I was raised is let's think about us. Let's think about the family, how we can move forward to bless one another. It's more about we. Than, yes, than it's I. more about yes. we than yeah. I. And right. it's very difficult because we live in that sort of society where everything's about me. And I just think that thought mm-hmm. for a lot of people, especially in my generation, is just so radical. You know, it's so radical to think of somebody more significant than yourself because we worship ourselves. We bow down at the altar of ourselves every morning. We try to make ourselves look pretty. We try to make ourselves the best person that we can be so that the world will join in worship with us for ourselves, essentially. You know, and I would think that that's a a classic characteristic of somebody who's in the world. But Mm -hmm. you grew up in the church, and you've heard sermons. You're in college, and you're Uh studying to be a pastor. And why is it so hard for the church? I mean, come on. Aren't we supposed to have this mentality that it's about we and not I? And yet, you kept saying Sunday, you know, it's hard, Mm -hmm. and we're not doing a very good job. It should be that way, right? The church should think in those terms. But I think we've seen this for many years now that the church can be so easily influenced by society. Culture and sin, it seems like, has infiltrated the church in so many different ways where, I mean, now we're starting to see pastors that they don't even preach the word faithfully. They'll take things out of context or they'll support other people that are in the world or things like that. And so I think it's very hard for us because our culture is just so persuasive and 
I don't think we're really finding our satisfaction in Christ. We're seeking to find our satisfaction in other things. We're seeking the world to give us answers that are found in the book that we preach out of, that we're supposed to preach out of every Sunday. I think we're just getting it wrong. Well, you're kind of like a voice out in the wilderness in your generation, right? And so you must get a lot of pushback from friends or family members, right? I mean, come on, Kenneth, we're all about unity and we're all about this or that. And you've got to have some responses to that. And that that must put you on the wrong end of the relationship scale. I mean, it definitely does in the world with friendships that I have with people in the world, uh, people that aren't believers or just at different places where I've worked in the past, there has been pushback. And those kind of things are natural, right? We're supposed to expect those things from the world. The hardest thing is seeing it from people within the church. Mm -hmm. Oh, you're being a Pharisee. Loosen up. I think a lot of Christians, especially in my generation, might look at people like me and think that we don't enjoy life because we want to seek to live a life that is glorifying God and to him alone. And we're seeking to, you know, die to our own desires and live a life that's sacrificial and to serve other people around us. I think it's it's very hard to hear those kinds of things from people in, in the church that look at me and, and look at other people that are trying to do this and think that we're being sticklers when in reality we're just trying to do what we feel like the Lord is commanding us to do. Well, I think as a future pastor, you're going to get a lot of comments about your views and yeah. your sermons. Sometimes it would be very painful. I, I remember when I was preaching out of first chapter of Romans about homosexuality, mm. and I had so so many people email me the next day. Really? If I would have brought my gay person here and they would have been embarrassed. And I thought to myself, and I did respond. I said, well, what am I supposed to do with the passage that says <laughs> what it says? You know, and it I mean, but that is yeah. part of the training, I think, is trying to navigate what people are thinking and how you've got to come in between what they're thinking and what the word says. That brings me to the, your third observation. You said that Christians partake in the same sin as the world. I I think you imply that we are no different than the culture around us, yet we think we are different because we call ourselves Christians. Well, how did you come to that conclusion? That conclusion, and I mentioned this in the sermon, but it was with everything that started happening with Ravi Zacharias um, earlier this year. Mm -hmm. So Ravi Zacharias was a man that I respected and, I mean, deeply respected and was a leader that I looked up to. And I just thought he was so knowledgeable about the scriptures. And I mean, I almost felt like nobody could go against him because he always had a response. I mean, he was a very smart man and he said some really good things, but it just seems that there was a disconnect between his heart and his mind because his mind knew the truth, but his heart didn't. And we see that in all the allegations that have been coming up. I mean, the rape allegations and just the sexual misconduct over, I mean, just many, many years in his ministry. Even just Pastor Walt has been sending me articles of, it almost seems like every other week there's a new pastor falling in sexual sin and promoting sinful ideas. And it's just very hurtful to me. And and it kind of clicked in my mind like, wow, how different are we from the world? Are we really set apart if we have these people on Sundays, preaching the Word of God, and then Mondays going into sin, and then just repeating. It was a very sobering thought. It it really hurt my heart when Mm -hmm. I came to that conclusion. And it doesn't have to be pastors. I mean, there, there are people that I know, very close people that will get drunk and just completely wasted on Saturday nights. And I just came to the conclusion, like, a lot of us have not been totally redeemed. A lot of us have not totally found our satisfaction in Christ. Well, it's good to hear you say that as a 21 year old. It seems like a 
lot of the Christian leaders over the years, they're very good at hiding. Mm. They hide their sin. They hide behind their clergy collar and so forth. But in their private lives, they're a mess. And one of the things that your generation may have to do, as most churches will have to do, and that is come up with a theology of accountability Mm. that somehow, somewhere along the line, that you've got to be honest. If you're Mm. honest in the pulpit, let's be honest in your private life too. Yeah. You know, these kinds of things with Robbie Zacharias or Bill Hybels or James McDonald or any of these very famous people got into a lot of trouble because they didn't have people who they were accountable to in their lives. I think I came away from listening to your sermon, Kenneth, with this thought. In order to change our world, we need to start that change in us. You cannot love people without loving God first and letting him be the change in our lives so that we can love others in a way that Jesus has loved us. It's got to come back to that. And that's what you said throughout the sermon. That's what you're saying today. So, Kenneth, what are some of your visions that you see yourself accomplishing in the years ahead? I know that's a little bit hard to come to, but, but really, you're a very principled young man. And you've got a very solid foundation beneath your feet. But what are you really wanting to do in your mind or what you think God may have for you? Mm. You just dream a little bit. To be very honest with you, Larry, I don't really know all that the Lord has in store for me. I would hope to pastor a church, hope to be involved in some sort of cross-cultural ministry in some sort of way. Mm-hmm. If I could just be a, a leader in ministry in some sort of way, that I would be totally fine. So I, I'm not exactly sure, but what I do know is that my vision, or at least one of my goals, is to simply to be an arrow that points people to Christ in whatever position I end up in, whether that's pastoring, missions, or whatever that might be. I just hope that I could you know, get none of the glory, but just give it all to the Lord and encourage other young people and even people older than me that, hey, we need to wake up and we need to start following Christ. Time is getting short. Well, what is very encouraging to me, and and this is a principle I've seen so many times over the years in the ministry, is that you will disciple the same way you've been discipled. So the people that were in your life, mentoring you, helping you, you will do it the same way, or at least close to it. Yeah. So I have great hope for the church of the future, Kenneth, because of people like you. So I really thank you for taking the kind of stand that, that you have, and thanks for a good sermon that you preach to our congregation. Yeah, appreciate it. Well, I hope you were encouraged by today's interview with Kenneth and encouraged by the fact that youth ministry and Christian education are producing leaders that have a chance to influence the future generations for Christ. That is why we need to invest in our youth ministry today, to invest into them the principles of Scripture and prioritize the development of a heart that desires to reach our lost world for Christ. As I grew in Christ, the churches that mentored me were strong on youth ministry. They caught the need early on that teaching the next generation was essential to growing the church, making disciples to be the kind of follower of Christ that makes a difference in the world around them. Well, thanks for joining us for this weekly podcast from City Sites Urban Media. Thank you for joining us today. Every Friday, we bring you this podcast with interviews with people who are challenging the status quo of Christianity and challenging the cultural norms of our day. Please help us get the word out by sharing the link to this podcast with your online friends and family. Our website also contains other podcasters who are part of the City Sites network of communicators, all sharing the good news of Jesus Christ.
Our website is citysitesurbanmedia.com. <laughs>